Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. I have a beautiful soul here today with me. Her name is Lucy Thompson Ramirez, and she's a restaurateur. I met her not too long ago very, very serendipitously. I had met her a while back, but then all of a sudden I saw her one week and then another week. And I'm like, okay, there's something going on here that we need to meet and get on this podcast interview. So let me tell you a little bit about Lucy Thompson Ramirez. She is an experienced co-owner with a demonstrated history of working in the restaurants She's skilled in catering, sales management, special events, and small businesses. She has a strong business development, and she's got also a bachelor's degree focused on sociology from UC Santa Barbara. This beautiful soul is here to talk a lot about Pescantina, which is a beautiful restaurant in downtown Los Angeles. So I'm just grateful that I'm here with her to share her story, her tips, her hacks, and her ability in the restaurant business. So Amiga, Amiga, welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Welcome, Lucy. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Amiga. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you for giving me a platform to share my story. I, uh, I love this kind of stuff. I love camaraderie between Latinas, between women. I just think there's something really powerful about it. And uh, I'm so grateful to be here. So thank oh, you. The pleasure is all mine. So for those ladies out there that are listening on the podcast, and we have amigos too who listen, who is Lucy? I know you have a restaurant. It's We're going to talk so much about that. But before that, tell us about your background. Are you a native Angelina? Yes, although I was born in Guanajuato, Mexico, my family migrated to the U.S. in 1979, so we've been here for quite a while. I grew up in El Sereno. It's where we first set up our home. My mom was a factory worker at a purse factory, and my dad was a welder by trade, and uh, they both worked really, really hard, 
my mom's mission was always to save enough money to buy a house and fulfill the American dream. And she miraculously did it in three years, which I think is such an accomplishment. I come from a family of seven siblings. I'm the fifth born. So after me, there were two other siblings that were born in the U.S., Los Ciudadanos, as my family referred to them. (laughs) Los Americanos. Los Americanos, Los Ciudadanos. But, you know, we were taught at a very early age to... uh, work hard and to, that we had a great opportunity to live in this country and to offer a little bit of our culture. So as far back as I can remember, my mom was always an entrepreneur of sorts, whether it was we were selling raspados in the corner or we were collecting aluminum cans to save up money to go to Disneyland. She was always just getting creative because I think that the hours in the factory were not good for her. And she had so many kids and childcare was tough. So she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and eventually quit and just found other outlets to generate income for the family. She is one of my biggest mentors and role models. I just think she's so amazing for everything she's accomplished. I grew up in El Sereno. I went to school in uh, El Sereno Junior High School and then Wilson High School in El Sereno. I graduated in 93 and then I went to East LA College for a couple of years, not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I just don't know if there was a lot of encouragement to pursue higher education. My firstborn sister because she doesn't like to be called the eldest. (laughs) She she actually went straight from high school to college. She went to the University of Laverne and then transferred to Scripps College. And she really set a good example, but there were six years difference between her and I. So I think that the influence kind of um, got lost in a way. And there were so many other influences growing up in El Sereno that college just didn't seem like the first priority. But I knew I had it in the back of my head because I knew I was capable of it. So I met with a counselor at ELAC and they laid out the plan for me on how easy it could be to transfer because I had taken some AP classes in high school. And and again, I just didn't realize all of the importance that I had set up and I had opportunities to go to college. So once I saw them and they felt very clear, I applied and I got into UCSB and I had two glorious years (laughs) in Santa Barbara. But, you know, I remember thinking, wow, I'm at such a disadvantage because all I have is an LAUSD education. All I have is an ELAC college prep. And when I get there, I'm just going to feel intimidated. All these kids probably come from money and from private schools. And I don't know if it helped to have that mentality because I went in there like serious business and I took advantage of any study halls or any opportunities to get more help. I ended up graduating with honors, top of my class, distinguishing in the major. I studied sociology and with a minor in Spanish because I, it was important for me to hold on to my roots. You know, right. if you don't practice Spanish, se te olvida. And, and... Yes. O no te dan de comer. O no te dan de comer. O te cobran de más. That's right. That's right. So why sociology? Well, I think at that point I was trying to follow in my sister's footsteps. She became a teacher and she was like, Lucy, this is such a great job. It's so fulfilling. You give back to the community. She came back to East LA to teach at Rowan Elementary. 
and you get summers off. So she was really selling me on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the thing. So after you receive your degree in sociology, what happened next? Did you go directly to social work or what was that next process for you? Well, no. During the time that I transferred, that I was at ELAC, actually, I started a job in the fashion industry and it was just part time and it was really just to earn money to pay my bills. And I didn't think I would make a career out of it because it was exciting, but I just didn't know if I fit in until I met my true mentor, Nikki Young who I met and she just really encouraged me. She saw a lot of potential in me and she really gave me a lot of opportunities that I don't think anybody had ever given me. Basically, it was a clothing showroom. So it was like a sales agency and you would represent different clothing designers. And every job I ever had, I was like an administrative assistant or I was a receptionist, all entry level. And she said, oh, I'll give you a territory. Here, take these two lines and go sell to whoever you know, this is take all of California and see what you can do with it. And oh my gosh, it was so exciting for me. So I started selling and and I got that high of the sale and it just felt like really exciting, but I was still staying in my path. I was like, I'm going to go to college and this is what I'm going to do. But I found that whenever I had a chance, I would sneak back during the summers, during the weekends, during market trade shows or, you know, there was trade shows in Las Vegas. And I would always say like, I'll go. And I would check with my professors because I was fortunately doing really well in school and say, I'm going to be missing these few days because this is maybe a career I'm pursuing. And they were okay with it. And I was just like, I craved it every day. I wanted to go back. And I found that it's predominantly a woman run business. And you really build a lot of relationships. And, you know, it was more than just the the high of the sale, because I really do enjoy the high of the sale. But working with other women and being creative and having a platform of encouragement. And there were at the time, a lot of Latinas that had entered the industry. And I felt like we all had each other's backs. And we were all bringing a little bit of flavor to the industry, because for a long time, I think it was predominantly Caucasian. So I really built a great career out of that. I was in that industry for about 10 years. When I graduated college, Nikki, my mentor, she offered me a partnership. So we started the Nikki and Lucy showroom and we had that business for about eight years together until she left the industry to raise her daughter. And then I took over the showroom and I hired my brother and we named it Sibling Showroom and he still runs it to this day. In the meantime, he hired my younger sister, so they kept the siblings just, he traded me in for a newer model. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) So sibling showroom, then and what kind of clothing lines do you guys demonstrate or show? Well, it was like uh, women's contemporary clothing. At the time, the biggest line I had was called Hype. I don't know if you remember it. It It was a while ago. But what happened was I was dating a guy at the time and he was in prison because that was just my offerings growing up in El Sereno. And she said, honey, you need to find a nice Jewish boy and introduce me to my husband, Brett Thompson. And uh, he was about to move to Europe to study. He had just graduated from culinary school. He started working for a big restaurant group in L.A. and they send him to Europe to train. 
And so we did long distance during the time that he lived in Europe. I was at UCSB. So we had a long distance relationship, but we were both able to build our careers separately. Mm -hmm. So when he came back, I opened up a showroom in the Cooper building and my landlord said, hey, we have a cafe downstairs that's becoming available. Would you and Brett be interested in taking over? And I thought, oh my gosh, yes, that would be great. So even though I partook in the launching of it, I still kept my business upstairs and Brett ran the restaurant downstairs. And I ended up in 2008, it was just really tough. I was pregnant with my second child and the traveling just really was taking a toll on me. It was beginning to be too much. So I left the industry and I joined Brett downstairs and I took over the catering department and grew it like 400%. It was so exciting for me because again, I'm a salesperson by trade, I think. Yeah. But when you're selling a good product and it's like the food was so good and everyone was so excited and it was like an open opportunity of business. I started seeking business in the financial district because I thought there's a lot of law firms, there's a lot of financial companies. And we ended up being invited to open up Cantina up on Bunker Hill because of the catering that we grew there. Ah, okay. So you guys had a restaurant in the Cooper building, was mm-hmm. it? Okay. Yeah. And so you and Brett were handling that business and through your catering, this is how Bess was birth? Yes. Ah, so tell me more about that because obviously Getting into the restaurant business is very challenging, number one. Number Mm -hmm. two, the location. This is in downtown LA, Amiga. So that means the space, the lease must be uber expensive. So you really, really have to think about it, right? Yes. And it was exciting because we were invited to open up there. They just loved our catering so much. And Brett loves to fish. We go to Baja to a little town in Loreto, and we would go there every year. As the kids started getting older, we would bring them with us. We go off to this little island. We take the fish we caught the day before. We grill it up there. We would make fish tacos or bring everything pre-chopped to make ceviche, and they would go catch fresh scallops. We'd dice them up right there and there on the island, toss them with you know limon and tal and all the veggies, and make tostadas. It was so amazing that one time we were there, and we were just indulging in this, and we thought, oh my gosh, we need to bring this to LA and do this. And we thought we would open up like a cute little taco stand and it ended up being Best Cantina on Bunker Hill, which is 5,000 square foot restaurant. (laughs) Yes, I knew because I've been there and I'm like, this is a huge undertaking. It was, it was. And the landlord was generous because they offered us a lot of tenant improvement, but it was a big, big undertaking. And our insurance was, we are surrounded by so many people because of all the high rises. I think something like 20,000 people worked within like a half a mile radius. So we were like, okay, we're good. We're safe. We're secured. And then the pandemic hit. (laughs) Oh, yes. We get to talk about that. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I know everybody. It's like a mass exodus. It was really frightening and we're still rebuilding. I'm sure a lot of people are. And and still, I mean, I'm so proud of what we've created. I think that for me, I'm not a chef, but as a Mexicana, I grew up in the kitchen and I have 
four sisters. So there were five of us. And my mom is an incredible cook. I mean, I think that if she wanted to, she could absolutely be a chef. I'm going to call her a chef. Yes. <laughs> yes, she is. Chef, yes, she is. chef Marta. <laughs> she had us in an assembly line. And whether it was, I don't know, chiles rellenos, we would grill up. Someone was in charge of grilling the chiles. Someone was in charge of making the meringue. Someone was in charge of making the filling. So, And then she would rotate it because she wanted to make sure everybody knew every step of every dish. So when I met Brett, he grew up in Chatsworth. He's a Valley boy. And he was around Mexicans, but not in the level where he's going to their house and seeing how they live. Yeah. And I recall so clearly when he first came back from Europe, he would spend all of his time in the kitchen with my mom. And I was like, hello, I'm over here. And he, <laughs> and, and he was like amazed that the Mexican cuisine could be so intricate. He had just been in Europe and he was saying to me, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Like your mom takes the time to make all these sauces from scratch. And it's not that different from Spanish cuisine or French cuisine. And it's just different flavors. And he was so impressed. And I think that that's where his love of Mexican cuisine was born. And he takes some of my mom's recipes, not that he changes them because they're very authentic, but the presentation, the plating, the process of maybe, you know, cooking the different proteins is a little bit different. And for me, it makes me really proud because we are giving Mexican food a platform that it deserves because it's Although tacos and burritos and all that stuff is really great, there's so much more than just that. And I take so much pride in that because I can see people's faces light up and that is the greatest joy. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I, I've eaten at your place twice now, I think. And it's all been amazing food, all the flavors. And just recently we met up at a beautiful pop-up with uh, La Nopalera and I tried the little tostadas with the, mm -hmm. it had like mole. I was like, oh my God, que es esto? <laughs> so delicious. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. I mean, the flavors are so good. Uh, so amazing. So amigas, if you're in downtown, make sure you go visit Pes Cantina. Absolutely amazing food and the ambiance is excellent. So tell us a little bit more about the restaurant itself. It sits on the Bunker Hill, but it I sits on Bunker Hill. And you, Go ahead. and I know that you always have like different celebrations, and people actually come and rent out your space and do, and you cater to those people. So, explain to us, like, how can someone rent out space from you and cater their event at your place? Yeah, well, we built it with events in mind because for me. One of my favorite, favorite things is throwing a party. It's it's such a fun experience for me. And, and I think that it's why I enjoy doing the catering part of it so much. But now that we have a venue, so to speak, mm -hmm. it makes it so much more fun. We have a great outdoor patio. It's seat 70, but standing, you could have up to 100 people. We've had weddings there. We've had baptism celebrations, bridal showers, baby showers, and any launching of any brands. It's just really beautiful because it's carved out in the middle of all these high rises with the Cantera fountain in the center and, and the twinkly lights outside. It's just really beautiful. I, whenever I sit there as a guest, it just feels really magical to me. And then we have a main dining room that overlooks the patio. 
and a private dining room that we can also do like more private events for about 30 people, which is really nice. And it's got this beautiful chandelier. It's a fish chandelier that we had custom made in Guadalajara. We imported a lot of our stuff, mostly from Jalisco, from Tonola and Tlaquepaque and oh, yeah. uh, the glassware, the plateware. It was right. it was such a fun experience. Oh, yeah. They have a lot of like beautiful, what is it? Uh, soplado? Vidrio soplado. Uh, vidrio soplado. Yeah. yeah. They have a lot of that. Oh, how yeah. Fun. Yes. It's your restaurant is just extraordinary. It's so beautiful. I'm really, I commend you for this because it takes bravery to really put out a beautiful restaurant like that in downtown LA, especially because, you know, the odds are against us when we have restaurants. I mean, they say that after nine restaurants, one is failing. Like it's, it's crazy, but yet you've been thriving. You've been there since what date? 2014. So we're approaching our uh, 10 year anniversary. 10 year anniversary. Yes, yeah. exciting. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what's next for you guys? Well, we are actually opening up a Pez Pasadena in Old Pasadena off of uh, Raymond and Union mm-hmm. and It'll be Pez, but it will it'll be a coastal kitchen, more of an American seafood house. Okay. Because I think Brett needs to have a little bit more of a platform and <laughs> to create something. Okay, le vamos a dejar un poquito. <laughs> un poquito. Pero yo me quedo con cantina. Con el grande. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just think because I came from a different industry and I entered Brett's industry. For a while, I felt like I really struggled with the imposter syndrome. Like, I'm not a chef. I've never run restaurants. And I feel like I'm finally in a place. And I think this happened probably during the pandemic. I feel like I had a lot of inner growth where we all had an opportunity to truly pause and say, is this what I want to do with my life? Am I living my best life? Am I doing what makes truly makes me happy? And I did a great program and I found that it was, in fact, my true calling. It was, in fact, it's deeply rooted in in who I am. I love being hospitable. I love being of service. I love comadreando with anybody who's who's willing to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) And and I feel like I get that every day. And I feel like I throw a party every day Mm. and people show up. Yeah. And they pay. <laughs> yes. Very important. <laughs> I love parties and I like getting paid too. So yes. <laughs> Sign me up, girl. Sign me up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so I'm really coming to myself and just really becoming the face of Pescantina and owning the fact that I do have a huge say on what goes in the menu. I do have a say on the play presentation, on the flavors. I try everything every day. I, I go into the back and I tell my chefs and, and my cooks, control de calidad. I'm just checking out everything, you know, making yeah. sure that the beans are perfect. The rice is perfect. The salsas are all perfect because those are all the biggest staples. It's the biggest indication of whether a restaurant is good or not. Yeah, absolutely. And the service too. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I'm so excited for all the things in your new venture in uh, Pasadena. Very nice and cool. I'm sure I will go visit that one. When do you expect for it to be open? Well, we're in full construction right now with final inspections approaching in about four to six weeks. So I would, I mean, we would like to be open before the uh, holidays, just because 
as you know, the Rose Parade is huge and we want to be able to capitalize on that. We're doing everything we can and there's only certain amount that we can control and just having a lot of faith and a lot of uh, positive energy and I'm hoping everybody sounds this more positive energy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're all going to send you lots of positive energy for, uh, yeah, for it to open before the Rose Parade. So thank you. Can maximize <laughs> all, all the benefits of your new restaurant and all yes. the money and all the rewards and the blessings that come along with that. Woo. Yes. I'll take that. Amen. Thank you. Amiga, what, before I let you go, I always ask my guests if they could provide one or two tips on how an Amiga can handle her shit. What are your tips? Well, Amigas, honestly, it's big risk come big rewards. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes we hold back because whether we're, for me, it was imposter syndrome or whatever it may be that you holds us back. It truly, truly, truly is. If you believe in yourself, it will happen. And there's no reason why we shouldn't all be taking big risks to get big rewards. Yeah, absolutely. It is so true. I think that as I'm, I'm a lawyer by career, but when I finally said, this is it, I don't want this no longer in alignment with me litigating and doing all those things. The big risk was leaving the practice of law and like, what the heck, <laughs> where's the money going to come from, right? Yes. <laughs> but the reward is even bigger than I had expected. Because if we look at it, it's like money is one thing. But if we look at it in a grander scheme, success is truly all about the fulfillment of those life experiences money comes, it will come if you're happy within yourself, and you are outlandishly, just really seeking out positivity and just doing what you love, money will follow. And that in itself is wealth. I say that to my kids every day, like, we are wealthy, we have love, we have family, we have security, we have each other like that in itself is a wealth. Holistic. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is like music <laughs> to my ears. Well, Amiga, thank you so much for being here on Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. And I look forward to eating and dining at the best in Pasadena as well. Awesome. Thank you, Amigasa. This was amazing. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. If anything resonates with you today, Please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.